You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Awesome. And our pastor, Pastor Ann Holler. Woohoo! <laughs> we had two other birthdays also, Israel and Casey, this week. So, amen. July is a great month for birthdays. Like I said, uh, Dr. Holler is in uh, Granbury sitting in a new pastor. And uh, that's what we do. People are always telling me how busy we are, but we got it in our minds years ago. You only have one time through this life, and we're going to give it all we can. Amen. God is so good to us, and I, I, I'm amazed at what he is and has accomplished through our lives. And that's not to brag on us. That's to brag on our God. What an amazing God he is. And um, this morning, I want to talk to you out of Philippians 3, 3 through 14, and talk to you about a circumcised heart. And starting in verse 3, as soon as I can find it. I'm used to using my iPad, as you can tell. (laughs) That's good and bad, I think. But anyway. (laughs) For we are the circumcision for which worship God in the Spirit, And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, and we all need to do this all the time, (laughs) forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Talking about circumcision is talking about covenant. You have a covenant with God Almighty if you have accepted his son as your savior. And you need to understand what those, what that means. It's, it's not just a saying. This changes you forever in your heart. And God, our Father, sees Jesus in you. 
And because he sees Jesus in you, he sees you righteous. Amen? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the quicker you can understand that, it will change your, mind. It will change your, your whole life. You know, uh, you remember what David called Goliath, uncircumcised Philistine. And the reason he said that was because he knew he didn't have a covenant with God. He did not have a covenant, so he didn't have a chance. I don't know why David was the only one that understood that, but <laughs> his brother sure didn't. But when you understand that, you can be so confident in God and what he will do in your life. Uh, you know, like I said a while ago, I'm amazed at what God has done through us, and I give him all the glory for it, for sure. When you're in covenant with God through a circumcised heart, several changes come. Here are the changes listed in verse 3. One, how and whom you worship. Two, the object of your joy, what makes you happy. And three, what you believe. A circumcised heart, it changes. You know, mankind for years has worshipped God from the beginning of time. They've worshipped something, maybe not always God, but they've always worshipped. They have never, archaeologists said they have never dug up any society that did not have some form of worship. So you got to know that he put that in us. That comes natural for us to want to worship something because, you know, we're not all that. But anyway. <laughs> but, you know, it's in us to want to worship something. And... Um, there's never been, like I said, an, a secular society. And uh, you remember the woman at the well in John 4. Jesus said to her, you worship. You, not, you know not what, but you're worshiping something. But you don't even know what you're worshiping. You're worshiping the wrong God. And, uh, you know, men for years, we've we worshiped the sun, and we've worshiped the moon, and we've worshiped the stars, and we worship Hollywood stars, and we... You know, but all that worship should be focused towards him because he is almighty God and he deserves to be worshipped. Isn't he wonderful? Uh, you know, he just amazes me. Our, our verse here in Philippians tells us that we are that people. You are that people that should be worshipping God because that's what he's called you to. And you know, when you worship God, all the stuff that's going on in your life just drops to the background and you just worship him and thank him for his goodness you know I wake up every morning it was funny because uh, when I got up this morning to go in there and start praying over my message the first thing I did I said thank you Jesus for another day to serve you and to worship you because I love him he forever changed my life and if he's changed your life, you want to worship him and thank him. He's such a good God. And uh, in the great musical Oklahoma, it has a song in it. It's called, there's a, it's, uh, there's a Bright Golden Haze on the Meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way and it goes on but that's as far as secular man can take it 
but we get up in the morning and we say, thank you, Jesus. I have another day. I'm going to torment the devil all day long. <laughs> Amen. He's not going to win. He's already lost. So I'm up. He better run. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, and speaking of believing, um, years ago, God reconciled me and my dad. I didn't know my dad completely until I was 22 years old. He and my mom divorced when I was about two. And uh, he, uh, so when God reconciled us, we would go to Minnesota, almost right where Pastor Curtis and Joy are. It's actually just a little pass in a little town called Albany. And we would go up there every summer because when God reconciled my dad and I, I wanted my kids to know my dad. And he was gruff. He was a German Catholic, and he had a mouth. He was a sailor, and there, that is not a euphemistic term. <laughs> yes, he had that mouth. But I loved him, and I wanted my children to know who he was. He was really a wonderful man. And when he was 53, my stepmother and brothers and sisters had an intervention with him, and he got off of alcohol. He was 54 years old and never drank another drop to the day he died. He was a great man, and he sponsored a lot of people. He let a lot of people live with him to help them get off of it. He went to the schools and, and gave uh, speeches and all kinds of things. But you know what? That did not make that man righteous. It didn't make him righteous. And he did not become righteous until three weeks before he passed away. But you know what? Never give up. Never give up. He said you and your household would be saved, you know. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> but anyway, so we would go to the Lutheran church, as he called it. <laughs> and uh, I'd never been in a Lutheran church before, so it was something very different. And so we went in, and as we're going in, they hand us a, a I called it like a bulletin or whatever, but it's going to tell you how the order of the service is going. And so during the service, the preacher would say a scripture, and then you would say something back to him. He would say something else, and you say back. You're going back and forth and back and forth. But in that reading, the gospel was there. The gospel was, I was shocked. I was shocked that they were reading the very gospel every Sunday. But the sad thing was, the preacher was kind of like, you remember Charlie Brown, the cartoon? You remember his teacher? That's just kind of the way it was because there was no spirit in it. There was no spirit. And I thought, Lord, that's why I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon you every time we stand up here and share the word because it takes revelation to understand what you're hearing. And so... Uh, it was it was pretty interesting. <laughs> but I, I thank God, you know, my little sister, she got in there, and I think at one point they had a spirit-filled pastor. They didn't keep him very long. But while he was there, my little sister got saved, and she still follows God to this day. So, you know, there are godly people in there. I'm not saying that. I hope you understand that. But I think it's amazing how we set sometimes under the word for years and don't get it and don't get it and that's just so important that we do because it forever changes our lives 
Amen. And the second thing is, we're going to get out of here early today. <laughs> Amen. The object of your joy, what makes you happy? My little tenth grandchild, he's three and a half, and he has an opinion. I don't know where he got it, but he has one. <laughs> and if he doesn't like, you know, if I tell him no, oh my, he does not like that word. And so he'll, he acts like his papa and throws a fit, you know, <laughs> screaming and yelling. And, and then he goes out of the room to his room, because I usually keep him at his house. And in a few, you know, I just ignore him. So he comes back in a little bit later and he'll go, Nana, are you happy or no? <laughs> I love that. And I go, no. <laughs> but his happiness depends on what's happening. You know, that's what his happiness is. And how many of us are like that? You know, happening is talking about hap what's happening at the moment. Is that going to make you happy? But, you know, that's not what should make us happy. We should have the joy of the Lord in our hearts at all times. I'm not saying we all do. I don't always. Sometimes I kind of sad. But it's okay. You know, he gave us these emotions. He built these into us. And, you know, people, especially men, don't like to cry. And I never understood that. But Jesus wept, so I think it's okay. <laughs> Amen. And he, like I said, there's healing in, in crying. I know that, you know, through the years when I've lost loved ones. When I cried until I couldn't cry anymore, I still felt better, you know, because I felt like I'd gotten all, all that out, and it washed it all away. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I got to tell you, yesterday we went to uh, the zoo. Uh, no, it was Walmart. what I'm talking about I'm amazed every time I go there <laughs> who who decided it was okay to wear your pajamas to Walmart to shop help me with that is there a new rule that I've missed <laughs> I don't get that put your clothes on and then come <laughs> no it's in Texas too it it follows Walmart <laughs> It does. That's got to preach, i got to tell you. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, so um, I I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people because they're so funny. And uh, not to make fun of them, I just think, you know, God, you got to have a sense of humor here. You know, I mean, look at this. This is hilarious. And the thing is, every one of us is different. Not one of us alike. Isn't that wonderful? You are special to God. He made you. There will never be another you. And nobody can take your place. Anyway, so we were out in the parking lot, and John was talking to me about my sermon, and, it, you know, it was going wah, 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 wah. But anyway, because <laughs> I was interested in this little couple. This beautiful little girl and her boyfriend were walking out to their car. She jumps on his back, and so he's carrying her. And I'm, I'm just enamored with her because I'm thinking, 
you are absolutely gorgeous. And then I saw her boyfriend. <laughs> and I went, what were you thinking? He must have made her happy. I mean, because it makes no sense why she would be with him. I'm sorry, he had one tooth. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but she saw something in him that made her happy, you know. And uh, you remember what it was like when people would say, you want to go to church with us tomorrow before you were saved? And you were like, no, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Because if you're not saved, those people look ugly. They just look ugly to you because they're not like you. And so Jesus was not somebody you wanted to be around. But when you came to know him, you came to know him. You loved him. And then your friends didn't like you anymore. <laughs> you know, we tell people when they get saved, the best thing you can do is get rid of your friends. And we didn't have to. I mean, we talked about Jesus and they left. They just did. They didn't want to hear about him. Since then, several of them have gotten saved. But, you know, John was in this rock and roll band. He was the band of the county, many counties. And uh, so he was very popular. And so when, us, when I saw our friends walk away, actually, when I saw him lay the guitar down, I knew there had been a change because that had been his God. You know, it came for me, the kids, anybody. So when I saw him lay that down, I knew that he had really come to know Jesus. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you get saved. When you really come to know who he is and how much he loves you and that he wants nothing but good for your life, that forever changes you. Because, you know, in the world, we're not loved. I mean, there's glimpses here and there. But for the most part, people don't know how to love unless they're Christians. And even then, it's a little hard sometimes, you know. Depends. <laughs> no, it's not. It shouldn't be. We should be able to love everybody, right? Because Christ is in us, and that's what makes us different. You know, it's, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, let me tell you something. Don't think I don't ever have trouble. It's just what I do with it that makes me different. I refuse to blame God because he didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, it's real obvious he came, the enemy came to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his, that's his motto right there. That's what he does. I don't see God anywhere in that. You know, I hate it because the insurance companies blame God for tornadoes and floods. And, you know, it's an act of God. It's just their way of getting out of paying for it is all it is. <laughs> I'm telling you. Years ago, our, our home in Oklahoma that we had just built one year before, we got 27 inches of rain in one night. So our house flooded. And when I called the insurance company, they said, you don't have flood insurance. I said, I don't live in a flood zone. Why would I have flood insurance? But they wouldn't pay for it. But that's man, you know. That's just the way the world works. They don't know how to love people. They don't know how to have compassion. And uh, 
But when you know you're loved, it forever changes you. You know, I, w I wasn't raised in a real loving home. We didn't hug. We didn't kiss. We just didn't do any of that. And then when I met John, it was like, get away. Wow. <laughs> They're always hugging and kissing. I mean, everybody. And it's like, okay, you guys are weird. <laughs> but he knew he was loved. So he could love other people, you know. And that really is who we're supposed to be. You know that? That's who you're supposed to be to this world because I'm telling you, it's an ugly world out there. When I see the heartbreak and the things that people go through, and um, we used to do a lot of counseling. We haven't done that in quite a while, and that's really nice, you know, to take a break from that because there's a lot of heaviness out in the world. But uh, it's uh, the good thing is we have the answer. And the only answer is Jesus. He fixes everything. And when we know who he is and who we are in him, that makes us a true Christian. Amen. It's also uh, number three is what you believe. The word confidence here is the Greek word pitho, which can be rendered believe. Uh, in case you couldn't figure it out, the doctor helped me with this one. <laughs> He's the one that looks all that stuff up. But it means a circ circumcised heart means what you believe has changed. I remember waking up probably a day or two after I'd gotten saved. And I'm telling you, the whole world looked different to me. Everything was brighter. I mean, it, it was. The grass was greener. The trees were brighter. It was just a different world. And that's because he washed all that yuck out of my life you know and when you're raised to believe which I was what little we went to church but I was raised to believe that it was my performance that was going to get me to heaven and at 12 years old I walked out of the church and I said you're a mean God I don't want to I don't want to serve you because I never thought I could be good enough have you ever felt that way and sadly, it's coming from the pulpit a lot of times. But, you know, I just thought, I don't, I remember walking out of those double doors that night. And I said, God, I don't think this is who you are. I see a good God in the Bible. All you ever did was healed and made everybody new again. Jesus, when he came, changed everything. We have a different covenant than the old covenant. And that's one of the things that people don't understand. We are to learn things from the Old Testament, but that's not who we are. Because since then, there was a cross. And, you know, Jesus hung on that cross, and the last thing he said was, it is finished. This cannot be added to or taken away from. He did it all. And that is so hard for man to accept that. we got to do something. Right? i got to help you out here, Lord. Surely, <laughs> you can't do it all. You need my help. <laughs> you know? Aren't we so arrogant? <laughs> but it's so true. We can't add to this. And if you just rest in him and really believe that he did this for you, it changes your life. And now you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did. Oh, isn't that a big load off of you? I don't have to perform. I don't have to be perfect. 
and let's face it, none of us are. It's not our judgment to judge other people. That's God's. You know, I, I hear people say that all the time. Well, I'm going to judge them by their fruits. Well, okay. <laughs> you don't know what's inside that heart. And boy, that is something I learned a long time ago. You can't judge the heart, but God does. And you think, I think we're going to be surprised who's in heaven. Amen. <laughs> and it's going to be a great surprise. Amen. On uh, October 29th, 1929, everybody knows of the big stock exchange failure. Well, my dad was born a month later. And he said he always felt guilty because he thought he was part of that. <laughs> that caused it. <laughs> he was telling John that one day, and John goes, Ray, you're just not that important. No. <laughs> But you know what? He was important. He was important to me and my and my children and my grandchildren. You know, he made a mark on this earth. And uh, I'm grateful that I got to know my dad. If, you don't, if you're estranged from your dad, I encourage you to forgive and to bring that relationship back together. It's so important, you know, because honestly, our dads are who usually frames us. And our society, I see our society today, and it's a fatherless generation. And that's why we are where we are. You know, these, these children, especially boys, don't know who they are. And um, you got to have a father to help discipline the kids. You know, I disciplined the kids a lot because John was gone a lot. He worked on the railroad. But they always knew Daddy was coming home eventually because I would tell them. He's coming home real soon. You better stop. <laughs> no, I didn't use him as a bad guy because I didn't want him. I didn't want them to look at him like that. You know, Paul said no one should have confidence in the flesh, especially compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. He said everything else is just dung. If you don't know what that is, it's poo-poo. That's what it is. But, and that's the truth. Anything we do, it's nothing compared to what Christ did. And Paul understood that. You know, even though he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he was a blah, 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 all his litany of things that he was, but he strove to know who Jesus really was. Even though he, he was religious, he knew that wasn't the answer. He knew that was not the answer. He had to know Christ for who he was. And that's, you know, that's just the way it is. When you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, that's what changes you. Because he's so good. Amen. You know, man thinks we're pretty proud of ourselves in a lot of things. You know, we've, we've done this. We've invented that. We've built this. We've built that. It's all going to come crashing down one day. And none of that's going to mean anything. All these statues we've built. You know, we were in uh, Denison yesterday, and, you know, they have the statue of Eisenhower. Well, President Eisenhower never even acknowledged he was from Denison, Texas. He always said he was from Kansas. They've built this huge monument 
to let everybody know <laughs> that's their claim to frame, I guess. I don't know. But that's what man has a tendency to do, is to build idols and to things to worship because we want to worship something. But the greatest thing you can worship is your Lord and Savior. And he loves it. Don't you love it when your kids come in and say, I love you, Mom and Dad. Y'all are so great. We love that. Do you ever tell Jesus you love him? And how what a wonderful Savior he is. I do. I think I drive him crazy all the time. But I like him. He's a great God. And I want everybody to know. I want everybody to know. That's my life's wish is that anytime I meet anybody, I want them to know that Jesus loves them. You know, I've seen people, uh, they do this thing. Uh, somebody was talking about the other day, they were in the Starbucks line, and somebody ahead of them paid for the next five people. Well, Jesus paid for everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, they think that's great, and that is great. That's a nice thing to do. But when you think about the ultimate price that Jesus paid for you, I remember when I got saved, really got saved, uh, I went up to my mom's, and my mom and I weren't very close, but I went up, and she said, well, what do you do, what'd you do today, uh, tonight? And I said, well, I went up to church, and I got saved. Okay. And I said, Mama, did you know that Jesus died for me? I know he died for the whole world, but he died for me and holler. He died for me. I mean, and when you meditate on that, because when you look at the world, you just think, you know, it's a big world. But when you individualize it and realize what he did for you, it changes you. You want to know him forever. Forever and ever. Amen. God is so good. A circumcised heart means serious changes have come into your life. You're the only hope for this world. You're the only Jesus a lot of people will ever see. You know, we need to keep that in mind. Because... It makes you more serious about sharing his love when you realize this person may you may change this person's life because of how you act and how you share. Like I said, we went to Denison yesterday and I was looking in some shops there and uh, we met went in this one shop and this little girl was in there. She was real big pregnant, made me think of Whitney the other day. <laughs> but that's over. Hallelujah. And uh, we just got to talking with her. I noticed she had a scripture in her store on the on one of the uh, aisles, and we just got to talking to her. And uh, she said, "Well, are y'all from here?" I said, "No, we we live in Durant." I said, "We pastor a church there," and I bragged on all of you and told them what a wonderful congregation you are. And she goes, "Oh, that's so neat." And then John said, "And I'm the director of Christ for the Nation." She goes. My sister's going there this fall. She lives in Tennessee. She's going to Christ for the Nations. I mean, and we just carried, it was awesome. She went to Norval Hayes' 
Bible College. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a wonderful man of God. He had a great influence on our lives. But you never know what you're going to say that's going to brighten somebody's day or it's going to brighten your day. It brightened our day finding out all about it. It was just neat. But I encourage you to share the love of Jesus with people because they all need it. And a circumcised heart is the only way you can do it because it changes you. It changes how and whom you worship. It changes the object, the object of your joy, what makes you happy. And it changes what you believe. And I just want to encourage you this morning. First of all, I want to tell you that I love you all very much. You, you'll probably never know what you mean to me. Maybe in the next life you'll understand it, but I love you all. You are such a blessing, and I tell everybody everywhere I go what a wonderful church this is. We've pastored churches before, but there's just something special about this one, and I'm so grateful to God that he brought us here. But I just want to encourage you today, tomorrow, whenever, share the love of Jesus with somebody. If, uh, if all you do is smile at them and just say, Jesus loves you, you know, they don't really quite know what to do with that. It shocks them. But share it anyway. God is so good. Uh, Father, I thank you for this word. Though it was short, I still believe that it has pierced the hearts and minds to believe you, Father and understand what the uncircumcised heart and the circumcised heart mean. That we have a covenant with you, Father, and that we can be so confident in who we are in you because you are a big God and you do great things for us. And I thank you for that, Lord. And if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that their hearts would be willing to change for your glory. Is there anyone here this morning that would like to accept Christ as their Savior? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I want everybody to pray with me. Lead this young lady to the Lord. Father in heaven, please pray out loud. Father in heaven. We thank you, Father, for this raised hand. And I thank you that Jesus paid the price for her. And she has now accepted him. And so we thank you, Father, that the angels in heaven are singing. Just like your word says, that when somebody gives their life to the Lord, that the angels rejoice. And so we rejoice also, Father. We thank you for this. We thank you for this changed life. And I thank you that from this day forth, her life will be forever changed for your glory, that she will tell people about the love of Jesus because she has accepted him as her Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if there are any other needs this morning, I'll be glad to pray with you. And uh, I would like to meet the young lady that raised her hand. If you'd come forward, I, I have a book for you. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming today. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, I have elders here. We'll lay hands on you, and you'll be healed. You'll be 
financially blessed, whatever it is your need is, he's willing to meet it. And he's willing to meet it way above what you even think. So if you would, you can come forward. If not, I say bless you, safety to you, and we'll meet back Wednesday night. God bless you. We beat the Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you.